High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. This morning I want to share some things about overcoming what I call the spirit of ingratitude, or if you just want to call it overcoming ingratitude. You know, uh, how many of you this morning are, uh, you, you've got at least five things that you can be thankful for today, amen? H- how many of you are thankful that whenever you woke up this morning, there was a roof over your head? You're thankful for that. How many of you are thankful that you have been blessed and you have been graced to live in this great nation that we call the United States of America? How many of you are thankful, amen? You're thankful for that. How many of you are thankful that you have a wonderful spouse? Even if she asks you to get rid of your facial hair. How many of you, how many of you can be thankful for your spouse? Amen. How, how many of you are thankful that you're not out begging for bread, that there's food on the table and you haven't missed any meals? Praise the Lord. How many of you are thankful that you had some kind of automobile to drive this morning to get to church? How many of you are thankful for that? How many of you are thankful you got a job? Not as many people are thankful for that. I don't know what's with that. How many of you are thankful that whenever you got in your car, there were roads that you could actually drive on? Amen. How many of you are thankful that we have schools that our kids could actually go to? That have born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking principles that are actually there? Amen? I'm not saying that about every school, but I know some schools here in Bay County that have born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking leaders there in that school, and if nothing else, have born-again, spirit-filled teachers there. Okay? And so thank God for that we have so many things to be thankful for. You know, now I've had the, the privilege and the honor and the blessing to be able to travel outside the United States to go preach and teach. I've been to Mexico, preached and taught there, and get, Pastor Gill went with me when I went down to Mexico. And, you know, when you go to Mexico, there's a new definition of Mexican food. And it's not what you get right here, Okay just a kind of a new definition of Mexican food. Am I, am I correct? It's, it's different, right? And you're saying it's better. Okay, that's, a, that's opinion. All right. But anyway, I've traveled throughout the Caribbean, and I'm not talking about on a, on a cruise or, or anything on vacation. I've traveled throughout the Caribbean ministering. And you don't go to the ports when you're there ministering. You go to the places that nobody else wants to go to, okay? And not only that, you have food that is interesting, very interesting. First time that we traveled to Trinidad. I remember we went to, I've been to Trinidad and Tobago so many times I lost count. I, of course, ministered in Jamaica. You have to deal with all kinds of things. I don't have time to get into all the things you deal with whenever you travel internationally to go minister and you're, you're dragging along keyboards and things like that. They wanna know, what do you got in the box there? You know, and so, but, uh, I remember the first time I went to Trinidad, and uh, I could, the food that they, that I, I, 
Maybe some of you have eaten this for breakfast before, but is anybody just eating pork and beans for breakfast in the morning? You don't. But if you go to Trinidad, that is a normal, that's actually some type of British fare, pork and beans. That is your breakfast. This wasn't baked. This is poured out of a can on a plate. And that was our breakfast with a slice of tomato. Welcome to the Caribbean. Here is your breakfast. And, uh, but I said all that to say this. They took us to one place. They said that I was eating a hamburger, but it didn't taste like any hamburger I had ever eaten in my life. I don't know what kind of mystery meat was there. I ate it with Thanksgiving, but the reality is this. Whenever I flew back into Miami from the Caribbean on BWIA Airlines, I don't even know if that airline's around anymore, but it's British West Indies Airlines. I flew back in on BWIA and, and, uh, and we landed and we came in and went through immigration and customs. And the first thing that I saw whenever I came out of customs is I saw a Burger King. Man, I, I thought I'd died and went to heaven. I'm telling you. I never thought, see, now I said all that to say this. You know, most of the time we go by places like that and go, oh, that's just Burger King. Oh, that's just McDonald's. That's, you know, we, we take for granted all the things that are at our disposal where we live on a regular basis. Can I tell you, you can take for granted your church. You can take for granted the fact that we have one of the greatest worship teams in all of Bay County. Hallelujah. We got anointed worship here. I'm not beating myself on the chest. I'm just telling you, there is an anointing that is here in the area of worship and praise. There is a presence of God, a tangible presence of the Lord. And you know what? If you're not careful, you know, what, what you so appreciated whenever you first walked in the door can six months or a year or two years later become common to the place where you grumble about it and you complain about it and you murmur about it. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I, I go by Burger King and say, thank God for Burger King, amen? You go to some of these other nations and you go eat there, you'll thank God for Burger King too. You'll thank God for McDonald's. You'll thank God even for Whataburger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I say all that to say this. We as Americans should be the most thankful people that are walking on the face of this earth. Let me even, let me even go one step further. We as saved, born again, part of the family of God, washed in the blood of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost and power, anointed by the Holy Spirit. If anybody ought to live with an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving, it ought to be us a part of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. You are saved. Your name is written in the land's book of life. You ought to stand up and rejoice and do a little dance just knowing that alone, and you ought to do it every day. That's what Jesus said. He said, rejoice not that the demons are subject to you. He wasn't, I don't have time to teach on this all, but he said this, rejoice that your name is written in the land's book of life. You know what? You ought to get up every day and do a little dance. Thank you, Lord, that I'm saved. Thank you, I'm a part of your family. Thank you, Lord God, that I've been born again. Hallelujah. I'm born of the Spirit. So every single one of us here this morning, we have so much to be thankful for, so much to be appreciative of. And the Bible says that giving of thanks is the will of God, 1 Timothy 5.18 
You know, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What is the will of God? Not necessarily what you're going through, but it's the will of God that you give thanks in the midst of everything that's happening. Doesn't matter what the situation, doesn't matter what the circumstances, we still ought to give thanks. Can I tell you, regardless of what's going on governmentally, we still ought to give thanks, right? Whether you agree or disagree, we still ought to give thanks. And whether, you know, things are going, you know, economies up and down. I, I don't know if you haven't, maybe you haven't figured this out by uh, now, but anything that man creates goes up and down. Okay. And the economy of man will go up. The economy of man will go down. It will go all over the place. And you know what? But please hear I say this. And we want to believe God. Yes. Do everything that we know within our power. And hopefully our governmental leaders will do everything that they know to do within their power to stabilize economies and things like that. But understand this, regardless of what the economy of man does or doesn't do, my hope is is not placed upon what man can produce in the realm of the natural. My hope and my trust is in Jehovah Jireh, not Jehovah Wall Street, not Jehovah Washington, D.C., or not even Jehovah Tallahassee. Are y'all following what I'm saying? Got a lot of Christians, that they're trusting Jehovah Visa. Listen, I believe in Jehovah Jireh. I believe in El Shaddai. I believe in the God who's more than enough. Whenever man has done and expended and everything that he can do, God is always there. He never leaves you. He'll never forsake you. He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. My friend, you got a lot of reason to lift your hands and give him thanks and give him praise to know this, that I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Amen? When the economies of man fail, God's economy never fails. Jesus never fails. Amen? So we know that it is the will of God. Look at somebody and say, God's will for your life, come on, say, is that you give thanks. Come on, tell them God's will for your life is that you give thanks. We read a story in the Bible about the children of Israel and the children of Israel there, they're in Egyptian bondage. And God raises up a man by the name of Moses. Most of you know the story and I'm gonna abbreviate it this morning. Moses goes out into the wilderness for about 40 years and there he meets God, talks with God. God gives him a plan to go back Whenever he first calls Moses, Moses makes excuses as to why he cannot do it. And uh, God basically nullifies all of the excuses that he attempts to give. And then he says, I want you to go back to Pharaoh and to prophesy. And you gotta think about this. Think about this. Pharaoh is the greatest nation that's on the face of the earth. Uh, I mean, Egypt, excuse me, not Pharaoh. Egypt is the, the greatest nation on the face of this earth. Pharaoh is the greatest leader, most powerful leader on the face of this earth. Moses has been out in the wilderness and God's telling me, I'm anointing you to go and prophesy to Pharaoh and this is what I want you to tell him. Let my people go. Let my people go. And we know, of course, Moses goes and obeys God. Pharaoh's heart is hardened. There are 10 different plagues that actually come, or you could even say judgments that come upon the nation of Egypt. The last one 
is where the firstborn is struck and everybody's household, the firstborn dies. After this tragic happening, Pharaoh finally gets the picture. And he says, you know what? I better let go, uh, let the people of God go. And so he agrees to do so and he lets them go. And of course, what the Bible actually says this is this, that whenever God led them out of Egypt, he led them out with a high hand. Everybody say high hand. hand. Y'all know what a high hand is? Would you just look at somebody and give them a high five? That's a high hand. Did anybody watch any football yesterday? They don't do the high five that much anymore. You know, they... They do the... Y'all like that, didn't you? Okay. They do the gritty. Is that what it's called, the gritty? I didn't even know what it was until I saw my grandsons doing it, you know. I said, what are y'all doing? Y'all dancing. No, that's the gritty, Papa. So they do the, you know, they do the gritty. Basically what was happening whenever they were coming out, they're doing the gritty. When they came out, they're giving each other, God led them out with a high hand. They're coming out going, yeah, we come on now. Come on, come on, Gil. Come on up here, Gil. All right, Gil, we got the silver. Come on, we got the gold. You know what, this nice robe and raiment I got, I just got it from the Egyptian's house right there. Come on, hallelujah. As a matter of fact, I just went into his closet and I raided it because that's what I was able to do. Because you know what, they, they're paying me to get out. Come on. In other words, they're paying me to go shopping. Is there any ladies right now that are excited about that? That's what's happening. Hold on, Gil, I'm not finished yet. We got all the oxen. Mmm, oxtail soup tonight. All right. We, we got the cows, filet mignon, yay. Hey, we got all the lamb. We're going to have some lamb chops. Thank you, Gil. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God leads them out with a high hand. They're lifting their hand, giving each other high fives. Say, yeah, we bad. You know what? We just won the national. We did more than win the national championship, okay? We coming out with Egypt with a high hand, coming out with all the wealth of Egypt. They get a couple of miles down the road and they face the Red Sea. And then what happens at the Red Sea? Pharaoh's heart is hard and begins to chase after them. And what do they start doing? Immediately start complaining. Look at somebody and say, complaining is not a good idea. They came out with a high hand, came out giving each other high fives. Came, in, You know, it's kind of like some of us, you know, we talk about how great our team is and how good they're doing, and then all of a sudden it seems like they get behind in the game, and we go, our team is sorry. They are no good whatsoever. I mean, it's kind of like what Gator fans have been doing for quite some time now. But anyway, our team is sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm just, just for you, MG, I'm just playing. If you're a Gator fan, I'll show you we love you. I'm just playing. I'm just kidding. Okay. Listen, in the body of Christ, there's no Seminole, no Gator. There's no Hurricane. Okay. We're all one in Christ. No Georgia Bulldog or anything like that. Everybody understand that? So the bottom line, those are coming out. They're coming out, you know, two days ago, man, they're giving each other high five. Now, all of a sudden, they're murmuring and complaining. They see Pharaoh coming up behind them. Oh, Moses, why have you let us out here to die? You know what we're going to die? It would have been better if we had just stayed in Egypt. We should have just stayed in Egypt. All the, the tongues start wagging and the mouths start going and they start speaking and saying things that they should not 
You know, it's real easy whenever everything is hunky-dory, so to speak, that we can give each other high fives and rejoice and we can shout. But you know what? The real question, the real test of a heart of gratitude is what are you going to do when things are not coming up roses at that moment in time? Are you still going to be thankful? Are you still going to function with a heart of gratitude? I'm be honest with you, and please hear how I say this. You know, but I feel like that, again, as a United States citizen, we should be the most thankful people that are walking the face of this planet. But there really is like a spirit of ingratitude that wants to grab people's heart. And whenever something's not going our way or the way that we think that it should go, then we want to grumble, we want to murmur, we want to complain, we want to bellyache about anything and about everything. And by the way, hear this, there is always something that you can complain about, right? If all of us wanted to right now, we could just let in and, you know, we could and just name a person in Washington, D.C., we could let them have it right now, right? You know, just name somebody in governmental places, we could let them have it right now. And by the way, if we really wanted to, we probably could find something wrong with a family member and we could let them have it. And we could complain about them and murmur. Hear this, complaining and murmuring never does anything good. It always leads to bondage. It always leads you to bondage. Well, God just overlooked their complaining at that moment in time, gave Moses a strategy, stretched out his hand. They crossed over on dry ground. Pharaoh and the army followed uh, uh, thereafter, got in the middle of the Red Sea. Moses, uh, God told Moses, stretch your hand back out across the uh, Red Sea. The sea collapsed. They all drowned. Then the Bible says that they began to rejoice once again. And so you see this thing that happens. Oh, boy. I want you to see what happens. They're coming out with a high hand. Woo! Woo! Hallelujah! Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord. Right? Man, they, they, they're doing the church of God jerk and, and, and every Pentecostal thing that's even imaginable under the sun. Rejoicing and shouting, you know, you know, look what the Lord has done. And now we're here at the Red Sea. You sorry, Moses. Why did you lead us here, God? Where are you? God shows up. They, they go over on dry ground. All the, all the Egyptians are drowned. And then what do they do? Look what the Lord has done. They start, you see, this roller coaster. Hear this, my friend. God doesn't want you to live on the roller coaster of thankfulness, unthankfulness, thankfulness, ingratitude, gratitude, ingratitude. Listen, we're designed to live up here where our heart is always filled with thanksgiving regardless of what's going on within our lives. We are still going to lift our hands and give God praise. So, between there and actually the promised land, what happened? They actually, this is what the Bible says, that they tempted the Lord. Before they even got to where the land was at, they tempted the Lord 10 times. 10 times in a very short amount of time. And every time, hear this, every time it was because they murmured and they complained. Every time it was because they complained. Rather than using their tongue and their mouths to be an agent of gratitude, they used their tongues and their mouths to complain about their situation. And hear this. I know everything is not perfect in your life, but I guarantee you this. 
you've got a lot more to be thankful for than you have to complain about. You've got a lot more to be thankful for than you have to murmur about. Amen? Everything may not be perfect in your marriage, okay? That's no, there is no perfect marriage, but you know what? Thank God this morning I woke up. Woo! I woke up beside this beautiful woman that was laying in bed next to me. Would every married person agree with me that that's better than waking up by yourself? Right? I woke up behind, right beside the brick house. I woke up beside this gorgeous creation. I woke up beside this woman who loves me. I woke up beside a woman who actually, yeah, she, she keeps a beautiful house. She, she takes pride in what she does. She's raised three wonderful children, praise the Lord. She's put up with me for 42 years. I got a lot to be thankful for, amen. Eric, I know you got a, a lot to be thankful for. We got a lot to be thankful for, amen. Man, I don't know if you realize it or not, but most of you married out of your league, right? Right? How many of you will say you married out of your league? Do y'all know what I mean when I say married out? You married somebody that really, somebody that looks like you ought not be uh, hanging around. You know what I'm talking about? We just thought we were in a restaurant the other day. We were in a restaurant. We were in a restaurant the other day. I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I got to hurry up and finish this message. It's a timely message. We were in a restaurant the other day, and a guy asked me how, how old we were. And we told, we told him how old we were. Now, I'm only a year and a half older than my wife, okay? She's 60. She doesn't mind telling you. And I'm, I'm, I'll be 62 next month, okay? I'll be 62. And you know what they said? You don't look that old <laughs> to her. I'm not kidding you. Looked at her and said, well, you sure don't look that old. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I'm saying you married out of your league. Dario, married out of your league. Right? Come on. Come on. Will, what can I say? Do I even need to go there? We ought to be thankful, Lord, you've blessed us with such a beautiful spouse. I thank you, Lord, for my family. I thank you, Lord, my kids were never an ounce of trouble in our lives. You know, maybe a little bit, but not, it didn't even equate to an ounce. Thank God, I got kids that are all serving God today. Thank you, Lord, that all my grandchildren are healthy and they love you and they have a heart to serve and they have a heart to worship. They have a heart to do your will. Hallelujah. Thank God my mom and dad, they were here this morning, had four generations of our family. Not many people can say that they have four generations of their family in the church that are still alive and still serving God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You got more to be thankful. You may not have those things, but I guarantee you this, you got something to be thankful for. And you got a lot more to be thankful for than you ever had to grumble and complain about. That goes for every single one of us. Children of Israel, they complain, they murmur. So what does God say? Okay, that's it. That's it. That's it. They send the spies in. As a matter of fact, let's just read the scripture real quick. 
we want to have a real scriptural message. Read this real quick. I, I'm coming to a close pretty quick. Quick is a relative term. <laughs> Jesus said, soon I am coming. <laughs> Amen. Numbers 14, verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices. Understand they just sent the spies in. Ten came back with a bad report. Two came back with a good report. Two of them came back and they said, hey, these are bread for us. You know what? The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Yeah, there's giants, but you know what? God's given us the land already. He told us. He, if you just believe what he said. Ten, ten of them came back. We can't do it. We're grasshoppers. Okay? We're grasshoppers in their sight and we're grasshoppers in our own sight. Whole message in that. They lifted up their voices and they cried and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. Who do they complain against? Who do they complain about? This is not a trick question. But just so you know, I don't ask trick questions. I ask questions that there are obvious answers. All the children of Israel complained against who? Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? Then our lives, our wives, our children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt and get back underneath the whip and the chains? We miss the leeks. We miss the onions. Oh, they were so flavorful. So they said to one another, let us select the leader and return to Egypt. Skip down to verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against, who complain against who? They complain against who? Me. Now, when you read up there earlier, it says that they complained against who? Moses and Aaron. But then God, whenever he rehearses back what they did, he said, how long am I going to tolerate? They're not, see, they're, God's not seeing the complaining and murmuring against the individual. He's seeing it as a complaining and murmuring against him. You follow what I'm saying? I sent you somebody to lead you out of Egyptian bondage. He went and prophesied whenever you were too scared or not able to do anything and you needed to deliver. I raised up a delivery. He goes there, he prophesies, and I caused through supernatural acts, through supernatural miracles, you to be brought out of Egypt. And now you're going to complain and you're going to murmur against the individual that I raised up to bring deliverance to you. My friend, we got to be careful who we lift up our tongue against. You know what? There may be some people that you don't agree with. I understand. And maybe some people in past relationships and God used them in a way and maybe you've moved on since then. But I would still encourage you to do this. Be careful what you say. Amen? You know what? You could, if nothing else, you can say, Lord, I thank you that you used them to do this within my life. Right? You know what? The people that God used in my life for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit, they're probably not even alive anymore. Some of them might be. I don't know. Probably not alive anymore, but you know what? They didn't have a lot of revelation concerning a lot of different things, but thank God for them. 
Thank, they didn't have some of the revelation and understanding we have now. But you know what? God used them to get me baptized in the Holy Spirit. God used people, you know, to get me exposed to the prophetic and get the gifts stirred up with me. God used different people to expose the word of faith message to me. You know what? And we've moved on. We've moved beyond some of those. When I say beyond, I'm, I'm, we still carry what we learn into the next move and the next things, the fresh things that God's doing. But you know what? I thank God for every one of them. You know what? I'm going to lift up my tongue to talk bad about them and complain about them and murmur against them. You know what? They were doing the best that they could do at that moment in time. And Lord, I thank you for the learning experiences that I had. See, how are you going to look at things? Well, I was abused. Hey, welcome to earth. Well, I didn't get anybody excited. Can I tell you what? There's all, I don't care. If you live long enough somewhere, somebody's going to do something that you might consider abuse. Well, thank you for that overwhelming response also. There's going to be times where people you're not going to agree with. And now to, nowadays, unfortunately, and make, I want to make sure everybody understands, when I'm talking about abuse, because we have so much talk today about spiritual abuse. And by the way, it does exist. Okay? It does exist. It does happen. But by the way, somebody placing parameters on what you do in the church is not spiritual abuse. Somebody bringing a word of correction to you for doing something that is improper, that is not spiritual abuse. Does everybody understand that? That's called pastoring. That's called shepherding. That's called, that's, that's called somebody actually fulfilling the call that God has placed upon their life and functioning in the gifting and the anointing that God has placed there. Amen? Y'all hearing what I'm saying? You know, somebody say, don't do that right now. That's not abuse. You know, that's just bringing protection for you and for the rest of the body. So they complained against, let's move on. I heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Verse 28, say to them, as the Lord lives, so says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so will I do to you. The carcasses of you who complain against me shall fall in the wilderness, and all of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above. What God says is this, because you complained, because you murmured, what's going to happen? You have disinherited yourself from the promise. Hear this, you can forfeit the promise of God if you don't watch what's coming out of your mouth. James said this, that your tongue is like the rudder of a ship. The, tongue, the rudder of a ship determines the direction it goes, and it also, not just the direction it goes, what direction it sails in, but it determines where it ends up at. Now, whether we like it or not, hear this. We always end up being, we always end up, our destination ends up becoming what we have spoken and what we have said. Because what the Lord says is everything that you have just spoken in my hearing, that's what's going to actually happen to you. So they said that we're going to be victims. So guess what? You know, you're going to be victims. You know, we're, we're going to die out here in the wilderness. Well, you're going to die in the wilderness. You've prophesied your own future. Hear this. You have to be careful that with your complaining and murmuring, you don't actually end up prophesying your own demise and your own future. If you start be thankful rather than complaining, my friend, God will turn your situation around. I said he'll turn your situation around. So God, for 40 years... They go around the wilderness, march in circles for 40 years until all of them die off except for those who were 20 years, uh, 20 years old and under that. But all the rest of them all die off. God raises up a whole new nation, so to speak. Because what God has to do is has to work on them for 40 years to get rid of that complaining spirit. For 40 years, he's working on them. And then before they go into the land, 
a promise. After the 40 years, after all that generation has died off, they go to Gilgal. It's a place of cutting away. It's also a place of healing. It's a place of confrontation and a place of revelation. All of these happen, things happen at Gilgal. And God at Gilgal gives Joshua a strategy for going in to take the land. And it starts with Jericho. Most of you know the story of Jericho, and I think most of the time when we talk about Jericho, what do we, what do we really think about? We think about day seven, right? And, and by the way, we skip out on a big part of day seven because we just jump on over to blow the trumpet and shout hallelujah, right? That's all we got to do for victories. We just need to shout. Now, I believe in the power of the shout. Don't misunderstand me. But you got to understand what gave their shout power. The very thing that had taken them in the wilderness and caused their fathers to die and caused them to di be disinherited from the land was this. They couldn't stop complaining. They couldn't stop murmuring. So what's the first thing that they have to do whenever they go to Jericho? This is what you're going to do. On day one, on Monday, you're going to be quiet. I'm going to get right down to the nitty gritty. What he told them was this, shut up and march. Don't say anything. Don't tell me about your rights right now. You have the right to remain silent right now. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Just start marching. You march around the city. And there, you can imagine the thoughts that are going, man, man, this is hot out here. Mm, my feet are hurting. Where did Joshua come up with this strategy? What is this going to do? How is this going to cause us to possess the land? I can't understand why they're doing that there at the church. Why are they singing that song now? You know what? I'm tired of that. I think oh, the music is too loud. Shut up. Right? Day one, march. Keep on marching. Monday, Tuesday, y'all keep on marching. Don't say anything. Man, day two, ooh, man, this is hard, this is hard. Day three, same strategy. Can I tell you part of the strategies, one of the things you've got to learn to do is all during the week. Don't be complaining all during the week and then come to church on Sunday and say, I'm going to lift up my hands uh, and praise you again and again. Right? On Thursday, you got to keep on marching. Don't say anything. Just keep on marching. You want to say something, you say, day four, they march. Day five, Friday, they're still marching. On Saturday, they're still marching. On Sunday, now you're in church, okay? Now what we're going to do on church day, you know what we're going to do? We're going to march seven times and not say anything. Could it be? that our greatest temptation is to talk about other members of the body of Christ. Could it be our greatest temptation is actually to talk negatively about those that God has joined us with? Could it be that our greatest temptation is actually what the enemy wants to get you to do is start ridiculing your brothers and sisters that God has linked you up with for the accomplishing of the purpose and the plan of God. So God says seven times, you gotta do this seven times. I wanna make sure that you're not gonna complain. I wanna make sure that you're not gonna murmur. You did it seven times, I know you're 
seat. I know you want him to shout right now. So now it's time to shout. Because you passed the test and because you didn't complain, because you didn't murmur, because you didn't bellyache, and because you were willing to rid yourself of what caused your fathers to forfeit the promise, now it's time to shout. And now you'll go in and take this city. My friend, if you'll overcome that spirit of ingratitude and learn to lift your hands in the midst of every situation, God will bring victory. God will bring triumph. God will bring forth the fulfillment of his promise within your life. Would you stand to your feet this morning? See, some of you are going to have to come out and go out of here on tomorrow. You just, you just need to say, Lord, I'm not going to complain about anything. Lord, put a watch over my mouth. I want to get delivered of a spirit of ingratitude. That which would cause me to complain, cause me to murmur. Listen, there's always something you can complain about. Let us, as the body of Christ, be those who exhibit a heart of thanksgiving. Can you lift your hands to the Lord right there where you're at? Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. And I just want you to pray this with me right now. Just pray this, Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent for any area within my life where I've complained, where I've murmured, where I've belly ate, where I've lent my tongue to cursing and not blessing. I choose today to turn around, to walk differently. I choose to bless with my tongue. I choose to bless others. I choose to be grateful. Today, I lift my hands, I lift my heart, and I say hallelujah. I give you thanks. I give you praise. Come on, lift your hands. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.